0: Well, hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio Broadcasting once more on Saga 960 AM and on the Coastal Carolina Network. I'm one half of your host, Yael Osaski, broadcasting uh, from the comfortable, warm, uh, heat and heated studio, and I'm joined by my trusty colleague, David Clement, uh, who's over there in uh, Toronto, Ontario, in a uh, 4x4 room. David, how goes it?
1: Oh, it's good. It's good, you know? Uh, I feel like every... It feels like increasingly every week we come back and sit down and something crazy or horrific has gone on. And it is, um, I mean, it's depressing and it's exhausting just over and over. Um, I mean, I guess we have to start here because it is the story of the week is the bombing of the hospital. In, uh, in Gaza and the inability for the media to get it right, with very few exceptions, um, the quickness or speed in which elected officials jumped all over the story calling it war crimes, um, essentially taking at face value, the statement of Hamas, which is a terrorist organization, just really bad politics, um, both in Canada and the United States, I can only assume in Europe as well. I mean, are you, are you seeing the same thing? Um, I, I guess maybe do you want to give a background for listeners in case they haven't seen this story?
0: Yes, in case you um, you're not aware of what David is solely responsible for. Since we can just assign blame to anybody these days, uh, we're (laughs) talking. Yes, (laughs) this is the uh, what they call the Anglican Baptist Church uh, that is uh, just south of Gaza City, and um, basically what we heard, I believe, was on Tuesday evening. Is that right, David? Yeah, Uh, Tuesday evening is uh, that Israel with a targeted airstrike had struck in the hospital. There were over five hundred dead. And uh, we began to see some images of um, patients running around, doctors, body bags uh, very quickly. And it was only through lather sleuthing that another truth emerged uh, that perhaps a Hamas Mm -hmm. rocket, which was fired from that part of uh, the Gaza territory, uh, might have either blown up in the air or a piece of shrapnel might have spun off and uh, hit the parking lot of the hospital where there were. Uh, a large amount of people who were camping, staying there, um, huddled. Uh, they had probably left from the northern part of Gaza to get there. And uh, that was yep. a more likely culprit. Of course, this is um, not more than perhaps an hour after uh, the Hamas, uh, I believe its health ministry, came out with this big announcement. And then we also had these condemnations from American politicians, uh, Congress people, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, we had. Um, uh, Elon Omar as well. And then, um, surprisingly, one of the mm-hmm. only uh, people who's a, an actual world leader who came out and condemned it was uh, Justin Trudeau.
1: Yeah, he, um, he, he kind of jumped the gun a little bit. You think? He's been very good <laughs> on this. Um, he's been very good for the most part. But he jumped the gun and didn't wait for more information or, I mean... We're talking about an ally. What I don't understand here is why would you not ask before making a comment? We certainly have the ability to. You have ask. ambassadors.
0: You have direct lines.
1: You've got the you chat yeah, message. You, you get on the phone. <laughs> you get on the phone right away, and you ask, and you and you say, "Hey, was this you guys?" Like. The media is saying X, what do you know, or you or you reach out to your intelligence agencies or the partner intelligence agencies that we work with in the five eyes, because obviously they're looking at this as well. And you ask is is this what happened, and I don't know why people didn't do that, and the, the issue is there's no retractions yet and there's no uh backtracking it would appear as though no one is going to walk this back and it's a huge accusation to accuse Israel of what would have been an egregious war crime and then not have the the moral courage to say hey I we jumped on this way too fast um, I'm, I apologize and it, the best evidence we have suggests that it was not um, it was not Israel who did this
0: and again I was um, um, watching this live so I believe it happened at around I want to say 6 to 7pm Israeli time uh, or Middle Eastern time yeah. and I believe uh, within as I said before it was about an hour but within about 40 minutes I was listening to a x space and uh, people were opining on various aspects of the fighting and uh you know the reports were streaming in of uh, a couple of osint guys do you know osint
1: yeah they're the guys who like track rockets and so osint stuff.
0: is open source intelligence it's a sort of a big you know yeah, hobbyist right. community of researchers and people who use online tools to track stuff uh, and they were looking at the various coordinates they're looking at videos there was a live stream from al jazeera where you're able to see part of a, a rocket from hamas territory that was uh, essentially broken apart uh, the guys that were tracking all of that they tracked the boom they tracked the lights so they did all of that and they said well it looks more uh it looks more likely to be a hamas rocket i knew that within you know 45 minutes and uh it took i mean it's still days and days now and you've had a couple of think pieces because we you know we yes we want to talk about the politicians but also the news media the all the major news media reuters ap uh, all the american newspapers the british uh, press bbc they all jumped on it at the same time and, um, you know, Palestinian Hamas ministry says. And uh, I guess we just got to learn that you can't
1: really trust these guys. Well, and think about this for a second, because for a lot of people who jumped all over this story, accusing Israel of a war crime, in many instances, those were the people who were attempting to debunk or fact check Show me the, the, babies. the story of of beheaded babies. So, it literally within a week, you had people saying that the baby story is propaganda. We won't believe it until it's confirmed with picture evidence, etc etc A hospital, there's an explosion at a hospital. Hamas says it was Israel. And that same crowd goes, See, they did it. Ow, ow. I don't know if you feel the the that, Dave. That's the
0: pendulum that's swinging back and hitting us right in the face
1: it's it's disgusting it is disgusting and i mean there needs to be some accountability and and on the cbc yesterday for all of their faults their one of their major uh anchors uh david cochran ate his humble pie uh he had the idf spokesperson on And the IDF spokesperson was very critical saying, hey, like, you got it wrong, everybody got it wrong. And he ate his humble pie, um, which was appreciated. Um, But nobody else is doing this. Our Minister of Foreign Affairs is now retracting her tweet. Members of Congress are not retracting their tweets. The the coverage of this sparked protests around the world. There were 10,000 people protesting for the Palestinians in athens
0: yeah and much worse in much worse across to, israeli res- and u.s embassies in jordan and i believe in tunisia and elsewhere in
1: lebanon in lebanon there was armed conflict the military in lebanon were battling protesters uh, over this story and it, it just goes to show you that there um there are some ethical questions that are that are I think are worth asking here in terms of taking things at face value and any story that is Hamas says deserves an extra layer of oversight or critical eye um, and failing to do that is just such a journalistic malpractice um yeah it really really grinds my we heads. live in a dark moment
0: I mean, those crowds were so big at some of these embassies and stuff, you would have thought somebody had burned a Quran. Uh, Which is precisely uh, what, that was the uh, excuse uh, laid at the feet of a Tunisian fella who in Brussels shot dead two Swedes who were going to a soccer match. Uh, We talked last week about, you know, what some of the retribution might be and uh, the global day of jihad. Well, um, yeah, that played out in the streets of Brussels again they've had uh Mm -hmm. they've had many different threats and attacks over the years i mean the airport has gotten bombed at some point uh you've had stuff in the downtown you've had stuff in the metros you've had dudes with knives uh brussels not the safest part for that and uh we're we're actually hearing now all of the french airports actually evacuated this week uh i believe it was on thursday They evacuated because of, of various threats uh again i uh this stuff concerns me because I happen to be a bit closer to it, and uh, we've got a good yeah. number of wackos here. Uh, so I'm not sure what could happen. We've only had protests and things in the streets of Vienna, so it hasn't been that bad. But uh, all it takes is one. Well, nut. I mean, and
1: the infor- the information on that nut, that Tunisian gentleman, so arrived in Lampedusa, Italy, on a smuggler's boat spent jail time in Sweden, was refused entry in Norway. Italy flagged him as a security threat. Belgium rejected his asylum claim, and he disappeared off the map. That's that's the guy who, who shot two innocent Swedish people um, outside of a soccer football match. And so, I mean, that also begs some other larger Uncomfortable questions about security, about the screening process for for those who enter, whether it be migrants or tourists. Um, all it really it it I, we've talked about this before in many instances, I'm an immigration maximalist. Um, but if the state has any role here, it certainly is to screen. And also, punish and deport those who commit violent crimes or talk about or openly talk about committing violent crimes um, or, or are previously arrested. Um, and so, it, I mean, there are a ton of questions that are obviously still looming here on how an individual kind of bounces through the system like that without. Any kind of intervention from law enforcement in a serious way? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I realize saying some of this, I probably sound more like a very strident U.S. Republican, which because I'm you'd not. Be in jail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, big questions here, and I think a lot the conversation here is going to get very ugly in Europe um, because the EU leaders are meeting basically to to discuss this. Uh, it's going to get very ugly elsewhere. The anti-immigrant sentiment is going to go through the roof, and it is going to be—it's going to be a really ugly time. I think. Yeah, like many
0: things, Europe will feel the impact first, mostly because mostly they have terrible yes. policies, uh, but also because you know it's a very diverse group of countries, particularly in the European Union, and they're still figuring out how exactly they want to blend together as a political and economic union, the Tunisian guy in Brussels. You know, it reminds me again of many of these, uh, if you remember 2016, 2017, we had a a host of different Christmas celebrations. People out at the Christmas markets and some guy drives a huge semi-truck into a group of people, kills them. Turns out the entire time he's been tailed by German intelligence, they've tracked him from Italy, you know, they saw where he was going. They, they essentially had people on him and still were not able to, to stop this terrible attack. You know, we have this larger question of extremist threats, so-called. And for a long time, uh, specifically in Europe, they focused on far-right extremism. There was a big brouhaha 2020, uh, the, the, whole, the so-called Christ Church uh, message. And everyone just kind of thought that this um, various strain of uh, Islamism, uh, jihadism, which again is a minority of nuts uh, that it still existed. But yeah, we'll get into that more complicated stuff when we're back here on Consumer Choice Radio. Don't you love just uh, ending on a good note, David, while we go to break. And we're back here on consumer choice radio uh, definitely hit the somber news at the top of the program uh, we've got um, good enough analysis now uh, David you asked the question If people are going to apologize if are people going to come back and retract um, still ain't done um, that's the one thing about the internet things kind of live for a long time <laughs> So I'm not sure what we're going to see there. There'll be some pressure uh, that's built up. But I did want to go ahead and let, let's uh, get a bit more positive and fruity uh, if we're able to do that. Does that sound good to you if we can get a little bit fruity? That sounds
1: good. Yeah, I could use a little, a little fun in my life at this moment.
0: A little fun, a little fruit. Uh, why not? This is um, conservative leader Pi Poliev, who has now become the celeber- celebrated uh, figure on, uh, I would say, right-wing Twitter or center-right mm-hmm. Twitter, for, uh, yeah. for this exchange uh, in, is it Kenoa? Is that in BC?
1: I believe so. Yeah, I
0: think it's in uh, BC. It looks nice out there. It's like sunny. There's a lot of vegetation. Or, did you
1: mean Kelowna? Kelowna, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what did I say, Kenoa? I have no idea. <laughs> oh,
1: you, you've been out of the country for too long.
0: Uh, yeah, but actually, where is, that's BC, right? Yeah,
1: it is. You got that right. Yeah,
2: it's
0: different country than quebec but okay we will go ahead and play this um on the
2: on the topic i mean in terms of your sort of strategy currently you're obviously taking the populist uh pathway um what does that mean <laughs> well a- appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels i would guess um i mean what certainly you mean certainly you certainly you tap certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently like what uh left wing you know this and that right wing they. You know i mean it's that that type of ideological stuff. i never really talk about left but or right anyways a lot of pe- i don't really believe in that okay a lot of people would would say that you're simply taking a page out of the donald trump uh, like which people would say that well i'm sure a great many canadians but like who <laughs> i don't know who but well you're um, the one who asked the question so yeah oh, you must know somebody <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the, point of this, the point of this question is, I mean, why should, why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given, you know, not, not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but also… What are you talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep in, saying In that. terms in terms of tur- turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this I mean you 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 make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it so I'm am not just sure wondering. I, don't know, I don't I don't know what your question okay. is Okay then forget that why should Canadians trust you with their vote common sense okay. common
0: sense and meanwhile he's chomping down an apple just gleefully apple, Yeah they love that
1: Just very casual I mean this is the thing um, he set a very clear tone for you don't like don't go unprepared if, for an interview if you're going to make a claim, and I think it's a really interesting case study on how much is assumed in the premise of a question right if he answers the question like you're taking populists taking a page out of Donald Trump's playbook he's if he answers that question he's kind of legitimizing the premise which is that he is um which i don't think if I, my own assessment would be he's not i think him and donald trump would disagree on uh a lot i think
0: well <laughs> i mean as a as a media person who uh is involved in these debates uh one thing i've noticed the trump label is sincerely the only way to get people to read your stuff or watch your things you know that's all we've learned the past five years right yeah how can i uh, can i just put trump in the headline and i'll, I'll know get more i'll sell more books
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: but you're totally right rejected yeah. the premise uh we saw this as well um i think he was out. was he in halifax or prince edward island yes yeah, prince edward island didn't have this same sort of you know some people say that uh, you know, you're appealing to the right wing. And he's like, Well, who, who says? Who said that? Yeah. Experts. Yeah. Okay. Who are these experts? Who said that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's very smart because, like, really, the question, if you get rid of all the loaded nonsense, was why should Canadians trust you? I mean, unless, unless you're really willing to double down on the claim. Um, like the premise, and and defend it, just get to the question. Just ask, why should Canadians vote for you?
0: Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is to insert all of these little qualifiers to frame it in a way, and, you know, you do quite a play there. That's what he
1: said. <laughs> well, well, you're quite a play with the, you know, Justin Trudeau. You know, left thing. So, Like, if, if that was me, and I was going to, push, I'd be like, sir, I would have just repeated that sentence and just be like, you do you do really do a play here with the Justin Trudeau thing. And I would be like, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I, that isn't a sentence. That's not a that is not even a coherent thought. I don't know. Well, you've
0: met you've mentioned uh, Justin Trudeau, who is yes, our, our Prime Minister, uh, but you forgot to mention that under him, we've had x number of deficits, i say you could have gone that way. too.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. yeah, it was, uh, yeah. as many people are saying, as many people, some people are saying online <laughs> that there was a master class in how to approach it. Um, I even saw a good old now right-wing uh, Twitter influencer, but actor James Woods uh, saying, uh, way to go, Pierre. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's, um, it's a thing that many people have oh my God, I find myself doing it now, that various political figures have fallen to is this trap. And I have noticed that, and this is a kind of an aside, but many of the more skilled oratory folk who are uh, representing pro-Palestinian interest in media, uh, I I will give them uh, support in saying that they do a very good job of deconstructing every question they ever get and rejecting the Mm -hmm. premise of absolutely everything um sometimes you can call Mm -hmm. that obfuscation um sometimes they're just absolutely rejecting the premise of some of the things that they're asked i saw this on on uh what's his name there pierce morgan's show a lot the last week or two yeah
1: yeah no it's a good point i mean it can be used to avoid answering tough questions right you just spend so much time making a mess of what's built into the question that you never really get there
0: um or it's like, how do you define X? You know, how, how do you define uh, occupation? How do you define war crime? How do you define, you know? So it's also, how do you define
1: populism? I don't know, like uh, reach out to people's like feelings. Yep. <laughs> but but this is, yeah, I know. This is where you gotta be a little more prepared because if you're gonna ask someone like, is, is what Hamas did terrorism? And they'd be like, well, what do you mean by terrorism? I mean, the definition of terrorism acts of violence against civilians for political goals they would
0: say well like the you know israeli warships do that and isn't that terrorism and blah 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 it's big circle
1: yeah yeah but that's not the question i reject the question sir <laughs> yeah okay well i, I think then, doing a well,
0: good media master class on this would be uh, pretty useful for a lot of people because Yes, and you know we have gotten in our own positions, David. Many of these uh, types of questions or concerns, whether it be with uh, friendly or unfriendly media, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I think PI does create a very good template for people, and you know, don't just accept the premise, don't accept their framing, push back. Yeah, and I just I love the way. For some reason, I'm so drawn to the way this common sense common sense the way he did it <laughs> yeah, so slow and deliberate you know while he has the incredibly juiced apple which got none none of it got in his shirt by the way which i don't know how he does <laughs> i've ruined too many t-shirts biting apples oh, and then the glasses and the other he's just he did a very good job yeah yeah common yeah, no, sense
1: common sense um yeah i mean in the latest polls have him up by like a hundred seats on the
0: Liberals. <laughs> I did want to talk about this again. Um uh too close to call on Twitter. His name is Brian Um is it Bougeau? Bougeau uh, still yeah. suspended on the Twitters.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what he did.
0: Uh it was something it was something around the Nazi in Parliament and Yeah, you just can't use that word really too much. Uh
1: oh, on it. the internet.
0: Okay. Uh but but I saw that and it's reminded me again about uh, if we could relate to the first story there's this very large uh, industry complex of disinformation reporters mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about this the uh, msnbc guy I forget his name ben collins or something like this um you know they do that's what they do they're online you know they cut down these conspiracy theories and disinformation agents and blah 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 and they were all uh, very silent on this or uh, very much on the side of saying how could Israel do this? And it really goes to show, so much of this is just its just political. All these fact checkers, I think the BBC fact checker I even read through their thing. I forget what it's called, like BBC Quick Take or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of go through, and they just said, oh, yeah, and uh, it, it still struck the hospital and all this, and the Palestinians say. And it did not sound very uh, fact checky to me. But what do I know?
1: No yeah it's not like oh we have x verified deaths and i know that the, the the death count has been scaled down uh, at the very worst
0: at the very worst this thing never struck the hospital at all. it was in the parking lot it was close and there were a lot of people mm-hmm. out in the grass but the hospital just got you know a couple scratches and a couple of the apparently solar panels on the roof at the very worst you know all the death and destruction was outside which is of course terrible and lamentable but it was not a destruction of a hospital. Again, that's at the worst. We don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is the thing, is that not enough people are because there's the race to get there first, not enough people have the guts to be like, mmm, maybe I'm gonna wait for some more information. Right? Maybe don't jump on this like and and all it would have taken don't go all malaysian
0: airliner uh (laughs) make shape yeah all
1: all it would have taken is 30 seconds of thought to be like "Mm, okay president biden is in the air going to israel do we think that netanyahu is bombing a hospital on purpose as the leader of the free world is about to arrive in what would arguably create a firestorm in the region that is a tough like why would he why would he do that under those circumstances okay and then it's like well what about the other theory at the time before we knew all the information the other theory that it was a failed rocket launch is like well does that happen a lot and then you look it up and you're like oh it does it does actually happen a it lot. happens like 40 percent uh, of the time <laughs> And it's like, where's the video? And it's like, okay, will we see the video. Where's the rocket coming from? Is it coming from the sea side of the hospital or is it coming from the Israeli side of the hospital? Okay, well, it looks like it's coming from the sea side of the hospital. So are we implying that the IDF has people in Gaza on the other side of the hospital and launched it on purpose from the seas? Like what is going on here? How, explain that to me. Yeah,
0: and um, all the newspapers, all that... um, I've tried to go back. I've, you know, I'm looking at New York Times and all these other things. Like, even the, they still had up their headlines for a long time, and now they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of coaching or putting together, couching their stories in this kind of, oh, well, it's the fog, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, have, I got all the information I needed to know within that, those first 45 minutes on X following like three yeah. randos on Twitter so yeah i don't know what to say i know it you know it's obviously a terrible time it's perilous um i can only assume in trudeau's camp he's got a lot of pressure from ndp to talk about the civilian uh casualties or you know threat of uh larger invasion well his own his
1: own members of parliament
0: oh uh yeah what's the former uh who's the former transport minister there guy he had to delete his stuff. Uh, pretty, is it Omar something? Is he now? I don't
1: know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's like the, there are others, too, calling for a ceasefire who made rather affirmative comments as soon as this had happened. And it's just like there's internal pressure from some of the, the liberal backbenchers to, um, to call for a ceasefire. And Michael Chong, again, the Prime Minister we never got, but always needed. Uh, I'll have to explain more after the break, because I hear you interrupting me with the... Uh, yeah, see, ceasefire music.
0: your words, David. We'll be right back after this. Yeah. Alright, David, we're right back. You told me about a Prime Minister we, uh, we never had. Should have had. Uh, tell us more about that. Yep. To pique my interest.
1: Yeah, Michael Chong. Michael Chong basically saying, hold on a second. ceasefire. You have a, a terrorist group that is an existential threat to Israel. I'm not sure now is the time to call for a ceasefire. They're fire. still they, hostages. They're still hostages. Yes. it's It's not like... It's not like this happened, there aren't hostages, and the Israelis are just carpet bombing Gaza and you go okay ceasefire like that's not the case here. Um, and so yeah, Michael Chung, the, the Prime Minister, we never got but we always needed, um, again in the House of Commons being the voice of reason on foreign policy he'll make a great foreign affairs minister, um, if the conservatives ever form government because he seems to in, in the way the world works, he seems to regularly um, have it nailed down. Boost.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And we got to get rid of this five-year election rule or whatever, it's just... I know. And um, I, I read more into this association agreement or supporting agreement of NDP uh, behind the liberals. And I don't know, so much of this is every other parliamentary system, you know, with a, enough groundswell, you can force a change. But this five-year, yeah. because people got tired of elections there too much for a little bit, I don't know, that isn't... The whole point of the parliamentary system is it's... Essentially, there's pressure from the people at all times and all moments. This seems like a strange, like, time lock. Essentially, it's like, remember all those great times? Let's let's put them in this, uh, you know, this time device. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's put them in, in the lock keep for five years and only then will we be able to unlock and go back to the past
1: i mean i think part of the problem here is that um the polls are bad for both the liberals and the ndp and so they may just be looking at this like well let's wait because it can't really get much worse than this Right the conservatives are on the cusp or in like very strong majority territory if if the polls are accurate as of right now, the NDP are exactly where they were in the last election and the liberals are down I don't know, 95 seats. Um, and so they may just be looking at this like okay well let's wait out the clock here and uh, prolong this because if we're going to lose. Uh, we don't need to lose today. We can lose in 2025. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, it's very crude to say, but I mean, in theory, the more time they sit on this, the more time they get to govern and do whatever it is they want to do. Um, they also, the more time, the more opportunity it is for mistakes to be made from the conservatives to try and capitalize on it. And so, I mean, I kind of just see this festering for way longer than it should. That or the liberals realize that maybe this is the expiration date for Trudeau, and it's time to uh, it's time to
0: pack up the surfboard. Have a new.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if they wanted to wait, but then also wanted Trudeau to step aside and do like a formal Liberal leadership race and try and reinvent the party before a 2025 election, that's probably their best bet at not getting smoked.
0: Before Mark Carney comes in and sweeps the day
1: uh well I mean Mark Carney would arguably do worse against Pierre than Trudeau will, let's bring but,
0: in a central um, banker <laughs> we'll see how he does
1: No not yeah not um I mean if you're going to call Pierre a populist putting up him up against a central banker would be just a lob that he would hit out of the park for a And grand quite slam.
0: Literally, literally an international central banker, having done it in uh, both London and Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: not uh, just not a, not a good plan. Well,
0: David, you talked about uh, expiration dates. I want to talk yeah. to you about the, um, something that I think is a very positive thing that happened that we've almost forgotten about. It was over a year ago. Um, It was, I would say, the quickest founding and dismantling of a government agency in real time in less than four months. And it's very relevant to the actions of the past week. I'm speaking, of course, about the Disinformation Governance Board founded. What's the status? Founded, announced April 27th, 2022 uh, at the United States Mm. Department of Homeland Security. The board's stated function Mm -hmm. was to protect national security by disseminating guidance to DHS agencies on combating misinformation, malinformation, and disinformations that threatens the security of the homeland. It was announced in April 27th, 2022. It was disbanded by August 24th, 2022. (laughs) The board head was Nina Jankowicz, Uh, um, a very partisan figure. She was sort of a foreign policy scholar, she had written a lot about uh, Ukraine and Russia and fake news and the like, and uh, basically because of the outcry and I assume the memes uh, this thing got zipped up pretty quick and uh, it was disbanded by Mayorkas, who's the uh, Homeland Security Secretary, and uh, we haven't heard anything since. No indication on why or no
1: justification from DC?
0: Well, the, the one piece of affirmative uh, information was revealed to us in a washington post article by uh, taylor lorenz
1: <laughs> Ever great story uh, ever great story okay with
0: well that. uh with taylor lorenz she wrote about uh, the disinformation board and she said that it was because of quote uh right-wing attacks so the uh the actual story here is how the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. And a lot of people who were involved spoke to her off the record and all this kind of stuff. And she lamented um, that people would uh, not be allowed to have so-called unfettered conversations anymore, as it were.
1: I can't help but just feel that she's upset that it's that, 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 uh, agency or board or whatever you want to call it is gone because if that feel that would have felt like the perfect job transition oh for that her. she was angling for
0: it you know that's why but here's the thing yeah. cancel culture when weaponized is very good for people who are looking for you know a promotion <laughs> or a new job so yes. she could have played it that way but she just played the lamenting and obviously we don't need a disinformation board it's ridiculous It's ridiculous, and had we had a disinformation board, uh, at least in the last week, with many of the people in this administration, I could only imagine what we would have heard from this. I could only imagine the number of Twitter accounts or Facebook accounts or news articles that would have been zapped from existence, memory hold. Uh, I'm glad that there's free speech.
1: Yes, yeah, it's good. I mean, just think about the, the OSINT account that you mentioned right like at what point is that considered misinformation and then at what point is it like oh actually they got it right yeah
0: but there's never going to be a government press who's release ma- that says that but
1: yeah but, and then and then who's ma- who's making that call like who's sitting there going hmm this is wrong we're going to throttle this or block it or remove it or ask ask twitter to remove it which we know they've done um yeah, just crazy. I mean, you remember all crazy, these. Crazy. Um,
0: PolitiFact used to do this many years ago. You know, it'd say pants on fire lie. You know, uh, yeah. this thing yeah, was yeah, wheeled yeah. out with a billboard every week that Trump was president. And um, despite um, Joe Biden having many so called gaffes, um, you know, we haven't had that. And no, uh, no Pinocchio is yeah, right. given. You know, there was the whole lie uh, tracker. You know, there's a whole Washington Post mm-hmm. website that was all about Trump lies, and uh, Joe Biden was talking about talking to the uh, Prime Minister of Israel in the 1970s, and she was g- giving him a <laughs> bunch of info, and then he relayed that to Anthony Blinken at the time, who worked in the Senate, was like, I- I'm pretty sure he was like not even in college. <laughs> what
1: is going on, man? <laughs> Come on, man! Yeah, remember in '60, remember in '68, Anthony, and he's like, I was 21. Uh,
0: so, nope. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I understand we all have an overarching uh, goal. Um, people who are in media, it's to get rid of the, the Trump factor, the guy who broke everything. I did hear um, that the Trump folks are going to be filing a lawsuit against the uh, dossier, Steel dossier firm.
1: God, nah, that doesn't surprise That would me.
0: be very interesting to hear the court yeah. uh, testimony and transcripts related to that one.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit. One bit.
0: Lawsuits, lawsuits, lawsuits. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of lawsuits in the news as well. There have been plenty that are ongoing uh, as it relates to Trump. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There's been one or two that kind of got my gall. There's been a lot of these tech lawsuits that have been filed. Uh, many have been struck down. Um, but, yeah, there's still a lot of rules that are being passed right now around tech Um, Mm -hmm. One particular thing that's not necessarily a lawsuit, more like a rule, Uh, this is announced this week, the uh, net neutrality proposal by the FCC. Mm -hmm. This is the idea that the Internet service providers uh, that provide you Internet should be public utilities, meaning they um, essentially will become (laughs) oligopolies a la Canada and not be allowed to (laughs) offer different pricing and would have to uh, basically segment themselves to regulate regulations and restrictions, that will not be good for the internet, (laughs) not be good for investment in either broadband or mobile or satellite internet or anything in the future.
1: No, and it's completely unnecessary, right? We learned from the last debate about this, the world didn't fall apart. The sky didn't fall. None of the bad things happened that everybody said was going to happen when net neutrality was peeled back. That is the end of the debate.
0: And, you know, everybody's yeah. walking around now, gigabit internet, and you got Google that's involved. It, you, know, you wouldn't have all these other companies. Yeah. And you wouldn't have Starlink if we, we had no. this. And, you know, I'm, I think innovation has proven its worth once more. <laughs> oh, no, yep. competition and consumer choice. However, could it provide value?
1: How threatening, How
0: threatening to us at this time? So, yeah, we are watching that. It's called the Title II classification. Uh, it's yeah. very nerdy, wonky stuff, but actually would impact a lot of different things. Yes. Oh, man, I'm seeing a Absolutely. lot of articles from Reason now as well about uh, Ben Collins, that was his name, who's the disinfo reporter.
1: Well, yeah, because he had tweeted the link, the, the coverage saying it was Israel, and I don't think that he's... <laughs> from uh, Hamas.com. I don't think he's, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's taking it back. Oh, and so it's like, dude, that's your job.
0: I've heard this from many different uh, people. You know, a lot of journos are still cosplaying that they are in all the president's men, that they're going to uncover the scandal of the decade. And uh, instead, they mm-hmm. just, you know, funnel all this weird research on P tapes. And their <laughs> dream does not yeah. come true. <laughs>
1: Their dreams die in a Moscow
0: hotel room. That never happened.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh. Somber, no, David. But yeah, we've uh, we've got a
0: little bit more that's that's cooking. Uh, A couple projects that we're really excited about at Consumer Choice Center. We've got um, one project on the prohibitionist. I'm very excited about, David. I know we'll be previewing that in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, playing some clips of interviews that we've done with various researchers and. Uh, smart folks who uh, are waking us up yep. to some of the international prohibitionist efforts. I know you've written a lot about that, mm-hmm. so we'll unveil that in the weeks to come.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. The Fun Police, which is the project, um, is uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a very good one. Um, so very very excited for our colleagues to announce that and uh you and i will actually be there in person when when this thing goes live um which uh is another another exciting development will we record while we're in the same place out of the country probably, probably not because we never end up getting that done
0: <laughs> well it's a short trip we will be in uh warsaw poland um which just yeah. had its own election if you want to hear Coverage of that, you can listen to our colleague uh, Bill Vietz's uh, program called Consumer EU. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can uh, find that, we'll link to that in the show notes as well, but plenty more to come on. Some of the European stuff, our fun police project. Uh, We'll talk about net neutrality a bit coming up and, uh, you know, why not? We'll dive into healthcare the next couple of weeks. We've got some interesting projects on that. So in the meantime, David, I wish you all the best. You're looking good in your suit. I know you're going on the air soon, so best of luck, and uh, let's chat next week.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Until next week, stay with us.